John chapter number 6. Uh, we're going to read uh, a portion of scripture out of John chapter number 6. Let's start in verse number 29. This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? I want to remind you, we don't have time to read it all, but in chapter number 6, Jesus has fed the 5,000. He walks on water over to the other side. He's not far from the other side because as soon as he gets in the ship, immediately they were at the land. I don't know if he kicked it up in plane and gear or if they were close or if he walked all the way over. He could have done either one. This group that sees that he's gone pays for shipping. Now, they didn't have a penny to buy groceries the day before. That's like most Baptists, amen. They had their money in their pocket and wouldn't buy their own groceries. So... But they but take shipping and come over. Now this is the crowd Jesus is talking to. He said, I'm the bread from heaven. Show us a miracle. What do you mean show you a miracle? I just fed 5,000 people. And so dost thou, what dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now they're getting super spiritual. They're going to quote a little scripture. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. Watch out, Jesus. You're not going to get bookings if you keep telling them that they're misquoting and misparaphrasing the scripture. The Bible said, But my Father gave you that true bread, the true bread from heaven. The bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Now, I thought it was interesting looking today. The work of God is that you believe on him. The bread of God is he. Then said they unto him, then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will. So we have the work of God, we have the bread of God, now we have the will of God. And this is the Father's will which he has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Uh, the Jews asked for the face of Moses to be covered there was a veil put over them and I believe it's still over them today as a, as a whole, as a general rule. And here they can't see plain truth that Jesus is speaking to them. And he said, Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph whose father and mother we know? How is it that he saith, I came down from heaven? 
Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. You see the work of God. You see the bread of God. You see the will of God. Now you see he that which is of God. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness. You're getting ready to say something again. It's going to get you in trouble. They're dead. They're dead. Over there where you've been here in the preaching, it's dead. That kind of preaching bring you death. Amen. This is the bread which come, cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now this is an interesting passage if you look at it from the perspective of reading it and believing it as it says. So here in this group, Jesus is preaching and he is interrupted. And they say, what sign are you going to show us? I mean, here's the crowd sitting there, what sign are you going to show us? Now in the middle of the preaching, they start fighting. That's what it says in the text. So Jesus is trying to preach, they're questioning the preacher, they're shoving back and forth. And the Bible said they begin to strive among them, saying, How can this man give us, us his flesh to eat? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat man, and are dead. He that eateth this bread shall live forever. These things saith he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he saith unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. I asked a man this on the phone. That's not where I'm going, but I asked him this. He was talking to me and giving me his ideas and his opinions. And I said, the Bible said the flesh profiteth nothing. But that man we heard the other night said, if, 
it was skillful in playing. If it was learned, if it had a great mind, if it had been trained properly, it still profiteth nothing. Here's what Paul said about preaching the gospel. He said, not with the words of men's wisdom, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. I believe there's people sitting in pews that would have been saved if somebody could have kept their intellect out of God's message. Is the simple gospel enough or does it need their help? Amen. The gospel is enough. God's word's plain enough. God's word is hard enough. God's word is straight enough. God's word is strict enough. God's word is powerful. The Bible said it's sharp enough. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It doesn't need me and you to ham it up, play it off, shock jock it. Amen. I've heard some preachers are nothing more than a Rick Rowe artist, con artist, taking the word of God and deceitfully twisting it and changing what God has to say. God's word doesn't need my help. And it doesn't need your help. Jesus says to them, they are spirit, but the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. I tell you what we need is the word of God, unadulterated, read as it is to men as they are. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore said I unto you that no man could come to me except it were given to him of my father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you, chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. I'm as sure I'm in the right text tonight as anything I've ever been assured of in my life. I told Brother Tony, I said, God help us if we end up in John chapter number 6 tomorrow night. I told him that yesterday. Then we got here tonight and the preacher preached on, ponder before you wonder. And so I thought, I have a title, but I thought I'd title mine part two, ponder before you wonder, amen. Just part two. Will ye also go away? Will ye also go away? Jesus looks at this crowd. He has fed the 5,000. He has walked on the water. He has given them the greatest discourse on the new covenant that they understand until the Last Supper. And in the midst of this, the crowd begins to thin. How many left? Well, the Bible said he fed the 5,000. A few days later, he feeds them again, and there's 4,000, at least 1,000 left over one message. One message, at least 1,000 goes down the road. 
And so I began to think about this yesterday. I heard a man read this text. And I've got four questions. Two questions are man-made and the other are from God. They said, who can hear this? Peter said, to whom shall we go? But Jesus had some questions in the midst of this. I'm preaching on the street again this year and I started in Genesis chapter 3 with the questions of God. Go through your Bible and outline or underline or highlight every question that God asks. They're important and they have a reason. As we look at this, I've got three questions that I want to ask tonight out of these questions. When will they leave? Why will they leave? And where will they go? When will they leave? I'll tell you when they'll leave. They'll leave when it gets too hard for them. That's when they'll leave. Here's what they said. This is a hard saying. Everybody likes preaching that don't deal with them. Amen. I've often wondered in my life why everybody shouts at messages about things they aren't doing. You can tell who has what standards by who shouts at what point in what message. I've always wondered at that. Why do we shout over the condemnation of sin? I have never understood that. And you can preach all of the blessings and the glory of God and people sit and look at you like a calf staring at a new field. Where am I? What's going on? Is there anything here? Preaching against sin is to be obeyed. Preaching about the Savior is to be enjoyed. There is a difference, amen. I have often... What in the world are we doing? And then I wonder if people that shout at both sides and never do anything about either one. They're going to leave when the sayings became hard for them. You know, there's a lot of things you can preach on and never faze me. I ain't doing them. Ain't never done them. I remember years ago, Faith Baptist camp, John Morgan was sitting in front of me. He said, I'm preaching next. I said, well, good for you. He said, I'm going to preach at you. I said, you don't even know where to hit me. I said, if you're going to preach and hit me, there's only one issue you're going to deal with, and that's pride. And I know you can't deal with that, so go on and preach. Amen. People don't leave over what ain't hitting them. They leave over what's phasing them. That's what they're leaving over. Amen. When are they going to leave? When the sayings get hard. Number two, when are they going to leave? I'll tell you when they're going to leave. When they begin to question. Who, who can hear this? It's not just me, preacher Reigns. Nobody can hear this. This can't be done. This is unbelievable. I got a question. Show us a miracle. We'll believe. Fighting amongst each other in the pews. They're on their way out. When will they leave? When it gets hard on them. 
When will they leave? When they begin to question, question the word of God. Jesus has begun to give to them the very basic foundation of the New Testament. And they're saying it's not so. It can't be. This cannot happen. I don't believe it. Let me ask you a question. Are you beginning to balk at simple Christian living? What used to be primer is now thought to be exceptional. What used to be understood by the lost is now questioned by the elite. It was understood. You got saved, you changed. You got saved, you went to church. You got saved, you become different. Nobody questioned that. It was understood. But now it seems to be that folks think that's an elite level that hardly anybody reaches. Why can't you just obey the word of God? Just obey the word of God. I don't know how many times a week on the job in witnessing I hear this phraseology. That's the way you interpret it. I don't interpret English. Let me, give, let me give you a challenge to live the rest of your life by. Only obey what you understand. What if I don't understand? Ask the author, and then when you understand, obey. Amen. The word of God is strong enough. I could go off the rails tonight and begin to throw out all kinds of terminology and all kinds of opinionated facts and bring in something off of Wikipedia to make you feel bad about where you are. I'm asking you tonight this simple question. Are you questioning God's simple words? When will they leave? They'll leave when they haven't gotten anything from God. Here's what Jesus said. Look in the text. He said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come to me except it were given to him of my Father. You know why you're not getting anything? You haven't ever gotten anything. You haven't ever accepted what God gave you. The Bible said God gave you light. He gives light to every man that comes to the world. The Bible said he gives a length of faith to everybody that comes to the world. The Bible said he gives life. He's gave, are you using what God has given you? Will you accept the light God's given you? If not, I can tell you, you're on your way out. You won't make it. Will you believe? Will you trust God? Will you trust God? I began to wonder, just preaching the word of God, I wonder if Paul could have stayed booked today. He said, when I came preaching, I I didn't preach with men's wisdom. I I didn't try to be. Now, he wrote eloquently. But here's what they said. Man, his letters are great. But when he preaches, it's just kind of plain. Paul wouldn't have stayed booked. He didn't have no great stories. He said, I don't want to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Had one basic message. Jesus is crucified. Let's live up to that. I have one measure. I've measured everything by the same measure. It'll reach all the way to the back, all the way to the front, all the way to the sitting on the platform. Do you live up to the death of Christ? Are you worthy of the cross of Christ? Are we there?
Put that against everything that you are mulling over in your mind. Is it sin or not? Is it worthy of Christ's death? Boy, somebody sent me something today. And it said this. If sin broke God's heart, why do you think it will fulfill yours? Would you believe the word of God? Would you not question God's word? When will they leave? That's when they'll leave. Why will they leave? Why will they leave? Well, you could say there's five basic things that I know people have left over. There's more than this, I'm sure. They want more liberal clothing, more lustful entertainment. They have a love for the world, ludicrous habits they don't want to give up, and a lack of common sense. You could say those things. But looking at them from the truth of the word of God, Jesus asked three basic questions. Doth this offend you? When are they going? Why are they leaving? Why are they leaving? They're leaving because they've been offended by truth. If you've been offended by the actions of someone, you can get that right. But when you've been offended by the truth, you'll have to live with that. I want you to notice something. The Bible, Jesus says to them, does this offend you? The Bible said they are already questioning. They're getting ready to start leaving uh, who they are and that betray him. And as they're going away, he said, you didn't get anything from my father as they're walking away. You didn't get that from God. Jesus didn't back up and say, let me apologize for the truth. I believe, the, I believe the correct way of applying the scripture where the Bible says, Great peace have they which love thine all, and nothing shall offend them. I believe it's talking about the law of God. You come slap me after service, I'll be offended. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the law of God. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing in the law will offend them. Paul said, I'm bound by love. You can't be offended by the law of God if you love the law of God. Does the truth offend you? Now let's think about the word offense to get out of the way. How can the word truth, how can the truth get you out of the way of truth? How is that possible? Jesus said, are you offended? I could almost see, and maybe not so, but I could almost see a little bit of sardonic irony. Does, does this? This offends you? I'm telling you about how to go to heaven. I'm telling you about how to live forever. I'm telling you you can have God living on the inside. I'm telling you all this great truth and you're offended and you want a magic show. Preacher, I'd rather have a magic show. I, I, I would rather have something that I never heard before that God don't even know that's in the Bible. I would rather be told a lie and feel good about it than told the truth and feel bad about it. Are you offended? They're going to leave when they get offended. Jesus said, he asked a question. What? What, what if? What, what if? What, what if you saw the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? You know when you'll get offended? You know when you'll leave? You'll leave when you can't take Jesus being in his rightful place. Yes. Amen. 
Jesus being in his rightful place. He said, well, let me ask you a question. Y'all offended? What if y'all seen me go up to heaven and sit down on the right hand of God? What would you think then? But it, it, it isn't three verses. They're leaving. Can I tell you something? With, uh, with, with all due respect, nobody is above God's word. Nobody is above God's word. I will remind you that in the chronological order of things, Peter is the older preacher. But Paul rebuked him. But he rebuked him out of the word of God. Peter, you're out of, you're out of step. You're, a, you're in error. What you're doing isn't right. I've been saved a long time. That doesn't make any difference. Jesus is above you. I've heard the greatest preach. I don't care. Jesus is above you. I heard so and so say, I don't care. Jesus is above him. Nothing rises above the Son of God. Nothing rises above his word. Nothing. Jesus said, are you offended? Hey, guys, what if you see me go up and sit down where I really am? What if you saw that? We are living in a day and age in, with, in which men's philosophy and men's tradition rises above the very word of God, above Jesus himself. We, we want something else. We need something more. I was praying today and I said, Lord, in all honesty, I want to go back, all the way back to my beginning with you when I started preaching. I will say anything you want me to say. Just let me know it's from you. I'll say it. I don't say this. Just take it how it is. I fly one flag. It says Jesus on it. It don't say anything else. The word of God is my compass and my guide. As long as I'm living by that and obeying that, I have no other creed. I have no other thing to bow to. Stand before men, bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. That used to be accepted, but it's not acceptable anymore. You know something you haven't heard anybody say in a meeting in a long time? There's no big eyes and little U's here at this meeting. You know why? Because the eyes has got bigger and the U's has got smaller. The greatest man that ever lived said, I must decrease, but he must increase. The only man who walked with God every day kept getting so small that he was not. He just got smaller and smaller walking with God. One day he just, he just was not. Where'd he go? He decreased. He decreased till he was not. Glory. Amen. You know, it's amazing that some people, we, 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 take, we take ability, we take charisma, and all of that has a part to play in what God does. There is some men that have great charisma and great ability to draw and hold men's attention. Thank God they use it for good. Praise the Lord for it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're empowered with the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible talking about being filled with the Spirit of God said speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. The next few verses, you know what he said? Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. 
You show me somebody that's a smart aleck out of the pulpit, and I'll show you somebody. I don't care how much ability he has. He's not full of the Spirit of God. The greatest men I've ever met have been some of the most humble men I've ever met. Now, I met some that had great ability and great intellect and could woo and move people, but they were just a smart aleck spiritual con artist. God doesn't have no time for that. I know the crowds do. Yes, they love it. I remind you that it's not men who rise up in false doctrine and bring a crowd. It's a crowd that bring up men with false doctrine. The Bible said they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They want that. They desire that and they'll find one. If it's not this brand, it'll be another brand. They're going to find one. They're not above the word of God. It doesn't make any difference how old they are, how young they are, how polished they are, how smart they are. And it doesn't make any difference how long you've been around and what you know. Jesus said, I'm the preeminent one. What and if you shall see the Son of Man? I tell you why they leave or why they leave. It's because they may not be chosen or they may be a devil in the chosen. Jesus said, I've chose you twelve. And one of you is the devil. I take that and I look at that throughout the word of God and I, I would assume that it would be, would be fitting to say that one in 12 is a devil. So if you've got 60 in your church, why are you surprised if you've got five devils? I was talking to an individual the other day said, I don't understand the people that we fought with the most. When we left the church, went somewhere else. I said, the devil was done with them there. He didn't need them there no more. He found another place that needed problems and moved them on over there. Are you a chosen devil? Did God put you here just as a grace builder for his preacher? Are you the thorn in the flesh? Could you be? You sure could be. I've chosen you and one of you is a devil. I know who you are. I know why I picked you. I know why I put you there. You don't think Judas was robbing the till and Jesus didn't know, do you? He knew. The Bible said he did right in the text. Why are they leaving? They're leaving because they may not be chosen or they may be a devil. And when they begin to be opened and exposed, they have to go very quickly. Where are they going to go? Peter said, where where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? That's the heart of the Christian. Where are we going to go? Well, I'll tell you where they do go very quickly. Number one, they go where they won't be offended no more. And if they don't find it the first move, they'll find it the second move or the third or the 20th. They'll keep moving until they find a place they won't be offended anymore. Where, where, where are you going to go? You're going to look for a place that you'll never be offended. Let me ask you something, child of God. You, these are disciples that are leaving. Let me ask you something. Where are you going to, are you looking for a place you'll never be offended in any way, shape, or form? You can't even find that at the Little League. You can't find that at a dance. You can't find that nowhere. There's nowhere that you can go you'll never be offended. 
I had an individual tell me one time, I don't understand why you have so many problems in the church. When me and my buddies used to get together. We'd bring the beer. We'd bring the hog. We'd set up the volleyball net. We'd set up the... I said, do all of that besides the beer. I'm with you. Roast the pig. Set up the volleyball net. Throw the horseshoes. He said, we never had a fight. I said, well, we do have slightly higher standards than a beer fest. But you know what? Let them stay there long enough and somebody will pinch somebody else's wife's hind end. There'll be a fist fight right in the middle of the fun. Amen? Bible says they get drunk so they can behold strange women. I mean, I'm not preaching something out of the Bible. That's in the Bible. They're going to go where they won't be offended. They're going to go where they don't put Jesus above all things. I went into a church not knowing where I was going and I... I don't hold no hard feelings against that crowd. But I went in and I sat down. And as I sat down, they began to turn down the lights. Oh, well, this is interesting. And then the people come out on stage, and I'm not against turning down the lights. Hey, it was nice, you know, it wasn't hard on my eyes. And I wasn't against people coming up on the stage. And I wasn't even against the man's toupee. I thought it was very nicely done. I didn't know a preacher I was going to refer him to to get a better one, but <coughs> he was up there on the crowd. He was walking around doing his thing, and I thought, well, man, hey, I'm okay with that. And then they began to bring the ladies out of the choir or women out of the choir. I thought, well, um, oh, oh, okay. And then they turned on the smoke machine. And I said, oh, I understand. We're at a concert, not a church. I just got to switch the way I'm thinking. <laughs> this ain't church. This is a concert. A pitiful one, but a concert nonetheless. They don't want Christ lifted up. They want man lifted up. Beware of the individual that's always talking about how great they are. Or how great they used to be. Or how great they want to be. Or how great they could be if it wasn't for their wife and their kids and you guys. Am I telling the truth? I, I think I preached right down. I believe. They're going to go where the, to those who don't have people leaving. That's where they're going to go. They're going to go where they can be fooled and lied to and tricked and deceived and my people love to have it so. Is that where you want to go? You want to go to where even child molesters don't feel uncomfortable. You, you, you want to go to where adulterers can sit there for years and live in the pews and live in sin and wickedness. You want to go sit there. No, you don't. No, you don't. I'm not talking about people that's got right with God. There's all kinds of sins that people had to get right with God. David did, didn't he? I'm talking about people that just continue on in their sin and nothing, it's just, just swept aside. That's not where you want to go to church. That's not where you want to take your family. They're going to go to where those are always kept comfortable, just like Judas. That's where they're going to go. It's not the greatest sermon ever preached, not the most well laid out ever, but I can tell you one thing. It was from the Lord. You better ponder before you wonder where you're going. 
what you're doing. Can I say something? You don't have to like your church. But you do have to go to a church where they preach the truth. You, you don't have to like everybody there. But you do have to go somewhere where you can hear the truth. You, you know Matthew was a tax collector. You know Simon the Zealot was trying to overthrow the government. And Jesus said, three and a half year college of you guys being together, we'll work on this. You don't think there was ever a question about, well, well how do you feel about the Roman politics of the day? Levi says, well, I mean, it's okay. I understand. What, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You, they, they, they didn't agree, my friend. But they had something bigger than both of them. Amen. They had Jesus. Amen. Are you interested in what God wants to do? Or are you just interested in being seen as always winning the argument? Nobody rises above Jesus. Nothing rises above the scripture. If you've got an individual that will preach this book and preach it without having to twist it, you better sit still, you better listen, and you better obey. Father, we thank you for this time together. I trust you that we have done as you said preaching was to read the word of God distinctly and to give the sense thereof. I'm trusting you that it's enough that without trying to reach out and point out individual things that the Holy Spirit of God would move and touch hearts. And I ask you, Lord, to do that which is your will, not mine. I pray that you would fill each heart with thy love I pray that you would give us ears to listen and hearts to obey. We thank you for it. Thank you for the message we've heard tonight. May this just, Lord, be an icing on top of the cake that's been baked and given to us fresh, as the man of God said it was. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.